For over six months, hundreds of thousands of Belarusians have taken to the streets to protest the regime of Alexander Lukashenko after falsified elections gave him an unprecedented sixth term. Since then, Belarusians have endured police brutality, arbitrary imprisonment, and torture just for speaking out in favor of freedom and democracy. According to the Human Rights Center of Yasna, in 2020, more than 33,000 individuals were detained, more than 1,000 cases of torture were documented, and at least seven people were killed since the beginning of the protests. And despite all of this, the democracy movement in Belarus remains strong. One of the most recent successes of the democracy movement has been the pressure put on sporting organizations to deny Lukashenko the opportunity to use athletics to whitewash the crimes of his regime. Dictatorships often use professional sports to give their governments the appearance of stability, normalcy, and calm. Athletic success and positive media coverage can help dictatorships maintain international legitimacy and cover up brutal events at home. However, thanks to the work of organizations like the Belarus Sports Solidarity Foundation and the engagement of Belarusians all over the world, in the past several months, numerous athletic events, including the Ice Hockey World Championships, have been moved away from Belarus, while the International Olympics Committee has suspended the Belarusian National Olympics Committee from participating in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. These important victories have fueled the Belarusian democracy movement by denying the Lukashenko regime legitimacy and propaganda opportunities. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. Hello, everyone. I'm Alexander Sikorsky. I'm a program and policy fellow at the Human Rights Foundation, and I am honored to welcome today our guest. Uh, Anatol Kotov is the relations manager of the Belarusian Sports Solidarity Foundation, which has led numerous campaigns to bring attention to the situation in Belarus among international athletics organizations and the sporting world. He is also the former secretary general of the National Olympics Committee of Belarus, which only a few days ago had its suspension confirmed by the International Olympics Committee after Lukashenko's son was elected its president. Welcome, Anatol. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I actually want to start by asking you about that suspension. Do you think that there is any other country in the world where the head of the Olympics Committee is also the son of the president? What does that say about the ties between sport and the Lukashenko regime? Actually, we tried yesterday to find out uh, if um, there is such a case, if there was such a case in the history of uh, international Olympic movement, uh, first of all, where uh, the son of the acting president of the NOC and uh, also acting president of the country um, ever have been elected as a new president of NOC and on the other hand uh, if uh, there was any case uh, when uh, uh, International Olympic Committee rec didn't recognize uh, the results of the elections of the head of the NOC and uh, unfortunately we didn't manage to find uh, such a case so we state that 
it's some sort of uh, presidency, uh, which uh, unfortunately was done uh, by Belarusian NOC. Uh, today, uh, it was uh, it has been published uh, uh, the statement, official statement from Belarusian NOC that they uh, uh, are not uh, that they do not agree with the decision of uh, International Olympic Committee because they state that everything uh, in uh, our country is uh, quite good with the rights of the athletes and IOC was. Uh, misleaded and uh, made a huge mistake uh, taking uh, such a uh, i would say outstanding decision but from our perspective and uh, there have been several uh, i would say uh, warnings uh, from the uh, ioc public and not public also there were some statements by our sports solidarity foundation that uh, it doesn't matter if you change some wordings in your articles or in some instructions or even if you change the constitution of the, the composition of the NOC or of the office commission within the NOC it doesn't matter because the main thing the main actor in such cases are sportsmen uh, whose rights uh, keep on being violated in Belarus due to political reasons. Uh, last week we filed uh, another package to the IOC to draw their attention for the uh, um, ongoing uh, suppression of the uh, Belarusian athletes who are against violence and who are claiming that uh, new elections of the president of the country uh, should uh, been, uh, should be carried out. Uh, and uh, fortunately for us, IOC took uh, our uh, argumentation uh, into account while uh, passing uh, through this decision uh, yesterday on Monday. Uh, we are quite uh, satisfied with uh, such uh, standing of the International Olympic Committee and we assume, we see this decision as, a, I would say, some sort of final warning for the National Olympic Committee of Belarus to stop repressions uh, of the Belarusian athletes who are against violence in our country, who have uh, this uh, as uh, we, as actually uh, government and Belarusian NOC says, who uh, have different opinion on what is going on in the country and in the Belarusian sports particularly. But so it's a, it's, I find it very interesting that there's such a unique situation in Belarus where the president's son is on the Olympic Committee and that the, 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 the regime is so closely involved in the planning of the Olympics and all of these sporting events. Why do you think it's the case that the Lukashenko regime cares so much about Belarusian athletes and controlling the Belarusian Olympic Committee? What is, what is the purpose of that? For the, what, what benefit does the Lukashenko regime have from being so closely involved in the lives of athletes and in their competitions? 
actually sports in our country in Belarus is uh, some sort of uh, some sort of uh, uh, I would say a toy uh, in the hands of uh, uh, Lukashenko's propaganda uh, because uh, it's uh, it has been difficult to say something positive uh, about Belarus uh, in the past. And actually, uh, due to these uh, cases of uh, human rights violations and uh, uh, specifics uh, of the uh, regime, which is uh, even last year was uh, called by government that dictatorship is our brand, is a national brand. It's something uh, ridiculous, but they, uh, but they are proud of it. And the, almost the only thing uh, on the international agenda uh, which uh, could uh, have been used by the authorities to promote themselves, it was sport due to good uh, legacy from uh, Soviet times and uh, due to uh, persistence and uh, skills of uh, our coaches and athletes, uh, even of, uh, I would say, um, more new generations of athletes and coaches in particular kinds of sports, uh, they used uh, these victories at the Olympics or at the world championship or european championships to promote the country because it was uh, even stated by lukashenko once uh, during uh, i guess general assembly of the national olympic committee that uh, for example daria domrichova has done for belarus for for the promotion of belarus as a country more than the minister of international or foreign affairs of belarus because uh, these successes are glorified by uh, millions of people everywhere. And uh, Olympics, uh, Olympic Games, they have a great international auditory and uh, uh, it's a great uh, opportunity for the country to show that we have uh, something to be proud of. And... Mm. Uh, uh, on the other hand, all these things uh, um, led to the fact that Lukashenko uh, privatized uh, all these uh, successes that uh, the only, uh, I would say, man, the only creature in our country uh, for our efforts to be grateful for these successes, for their victories, it's uh, Lukashenko. That's why it's quite painful to, for him to uh, realize uh, the ongoing situation in the country. Then prominent athletes from Belarus uh, are saying that they, are not, uh, that they do not agree with uh, what is going on in the country. And as I said, in sports particularly, that uh, it's uh, really... Uh, unacceptable, then people are tortured and killed in the streets uh, for some purpose. Uh, and this purpose, uh, everybody knows that it's just uh, preserving of the uh, of staying him in power. 
and uh, that's all. It's uh, not about uh, good for all Belarusian people. It's just about uh, his own uh, authority, his own power, and that's it. Finish. So he is quite disappointed. He uh, with the fact that he uh, claims uh, and uh, now national uh, different media, which are some sort of uh, which are actually not some sort of, which are propaganda in our country, they blame uh, those efforts who disagree with Lukashenko and. Ministry of Sports and National Olympic Committee of Belarus uh, to be traitors because they traded uh, him personally. Right. They betrayed and him personally, yeah. Do you think that, so I know that the 2021 Tokyo Olympics are coming up this year and then in next year there's the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. How do you think Belarusians who, you know, who, you may agree, you know, disagree with Lukashenko and support freedom and democracy, but who also want to, you know, take pride in their athletes and in their sporting successes. How do you think that Belarusian athletes can compete or should they even compete um, in the Olympics this year and, and next year, um, even though the National Olympics Committee has been suspended and and no one wants to see Lukashenko's name associated with the with the victories. You know, is there a way to to get athletes to still to still you know be proud of to to forget Belarusians to be proud of athletes and, and competing at the Olympics? Uh, actually, there are I would say two separate things in your question. Uh, first is uh, whether these athletes should uh, take part or should. Uh, have a chance to compete uh, during the Olympics uh, this year and also next year. To my personal mind, it's uh, it it will be uh, uh, a big mistake if we deprive them from the chance to participate because for the athlete, for the top athlete. It's a question of uh, their, I would say, dreams and of their life even, yeah? So to my mind, they should uh, have a chance to participate and they should participate in the Olympics. If, uh, of course, they qualify uh, due to different standards in different kinds of sports. But uh, on the other hand... uh, now, our uh, state, uh, state machine, state uh, authority uh, are trying uh, to uh, do uh, two very contradictory things at the same time. On the other hand, uh, uh, on the one hand, they try to be good. Uh, uh, before the face of the International Olympic Committee, and to, they keep on saying that everybody who qualifies will participate, uh, despite uh, his political or social uh, views or position. On the other hand, we see and we try to present all these cases uh, to the attention of the International Olympic Committee's they are depriving uh, athletes with different position 
from uh, uh, I would say comfortable uh, facilities, from the comfortable conditions to trade in order to have a chance to qualify. So it's not uh, about that. Uh, uh, I don't say. Uh, I would say uh, athlete A has qualified and. Uh, then uh, somebody, uh, I don't know, Minister of Sports or National Olympic Committee will decide that uh, he won't go uh, to the Olympics because it's vivid. It's, uh, uh, it could uh, bring uh, to uh, total disrepute this uh, uh, pretty statements that everything is good in Belarusian sports and everybody who is quali who qualifies uh, goes to the Olympics. On the other hand, they try to hide this uh, uh, theme that those who still have a chance to qualify and if they have different position, they are being deprived of uh, good conditions to train in order to have a chance, chances to qualify. And here comes uh, the task of the Belarusian uh, Sports Solidarity Foundation to uh, help to assist those who are being deprived from the facilities to train uh, in order to qualify, in order to go to the Olympics. And we are bringing also all these cases to the attention of the International Olympic Committee that uh, sportsmen be... Uh, who has to go to the, I don't know, European Championships or to World Championships to uh, fight for license for the Olympics, were helping him uh, from, re, uh, from the organizational point of view and also financially to train in order to, have, uh, to, to be in a good uh, form to compete. Because state... Uh, authorities, they are just closing the facilities or they are firing them from uh, state enterprises or state service. They're, uh, they're the efforts are just earning money uh, while training. So they are trying to uh, do this uh, uh, to, to, to introduce these repressions a little bit in a hidden way. But mm -hmm. we see everything what's going on. We assist and we help those who are being repressed. And we managed to bring, uh, for example, Olga Mazuronek back to trainings with the state facilities and with state authorities. And uh, I would say that the only, I would say, uh, uh, thing, the only factor which... Uh, helped us to achieve such a result it was the pressure from the internet uh, pressure and attention from the side of the international olympic committee who uh, which declared that they will monitor the situation and uh, they uh, asked uh, international federations it's and it's also confirmed in yesterday's uh, statement of the uh, international olympic committee to ensure for belarusian athletes uh, equal chances to qualify and to compete in, uh, in the Olympics. So we are uh, monitoring the situation and we are really very uh, positively surprised by the strong position of the International Olympic Committee who 
uh, in uh, Belarusian situation, they are showing the world that they really care about sportsmen's uh, sportsmen uh, or athletes' rights. Mm-hmm. So I want to, you know, I, I, we will move to talk about the work of the Belarus Sports Solidarity Foundation in canceling various events in Belarus in order to prevent the regime from benefiting. Um, and so we'll get to that. But I also, you know, while we're still talking about the Olympics, I want to ask you about the actually the 2022 Beijing Olympics, which are being which are being held in, a, in an, another authoritarian country where its citizens are regularly uh, tortured. And, you know, the United the Secretary of State of the United States has declared that there's a genocide going on in China. And I want to ask you, what do you think about, you know, participation of Belarusian athletes or really any athletes in the Beijing Olympics um, in 2022? And whether you think that, you know, that the athletes and, and sponsors should, should show the same kind of solidarity um, in, in China with, you know, with the people who are being oppressed in China as they do, you know, with the people who are being oppressed in Belarus. Uh, actually, if uh, there are facts uh, which are really confirmed, it's a big uh, issue for the IOC to, uh, I would say, keep these uh, standards of uh, non-violation of human rights. But on the other hand, we see, and uh, for example, we try to introduce such a case, uh, for example, during European ga- second European Games in uh, Minsk 2019, that this major sports uh, sport event should be used uh, not as a tool of uh, uh, states' uh, propaganda, but a tool to modernize the country. Because uh, in order to have a chance to uh, hold such an event, there should be some changes within the country. So. Uh, to keep uh, the highest uh, uh, international standards also from the point of view of the respect of uh, freedom of speech, of freedom of media, and respect to uh, general human rights. So, uh, in general, I uh, see that uh, there is a big chance uh, for the international community to influence the country uh, uh, in which uh, such major sports events are being held. But on the other hand, if nothing changes in the process or after, if uh, it's uh, some sort of, uh, I would say, Belarusian case, then uh, uh, there is no progress uh, within these areas. So I guess for the future there should be introduced more strict standards as uh, for allowing uh, uh, countries which uh, do not respect uh, in full human rights to uh, help such events. But to my mind, first, there should be a chance to uh, Mm. have such events uh, in order to bring these countries uh, to do some to introduce some change some positive changes if uh, there is no progress and no chance for progress uh, so i guess uh, uh, these cases uh, should be treated more like uh, belarusian one 
Mm -hmm. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the big successes of canceling events in Belarus, because in January, I think it was one of the big uh, recent successes of the democracy movement was um, the, the cancellation of the ice hockey world championships um, by the International Ice Hockey Federation after there was a huge public backlash from Belarusians and the international community. And ice hockey is an important propaganda tool of the Belarusian regime. Top officials in the Belarusian Ice Hockey Federation are close associates of Lukashenko and are directly involved in many of the crimes of his regime. And so the most notorious of these examples is Dmitry Baskov, who is the head of the Belarusian Ice Hockey Federation and has also been identified as one of the individuals uh, responsible for the death of a peaceful protester, uh, Raman Bandarenka, uh, in November. And so, you know, your organization, the Belarus Sports Solidarity Foundation, you know, organized a campaign and wrote a letter and prominent Belarusian athletes like Elena Leuchanka you know, also contributed to this campaign to convince the, uh, the Ice Hockey Federation to, to move this event away from Belarus. And you were successful. And so can you tell us, can you explain a little bit why it's so important for, for events to move? And you, you just mentioned that, you know, if a regime changes, you know, the events can go ahead, even if the, even if the regime is not perfect. Um, but in this case, you were very, you know, definitely did not want the event to go ahead in Belarus. So can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and why, why that's the case? Uh, actually, it's even not a secret now because uh, even uh, the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation, René Fazel, uh, uh, told about uh, this, that uh, he tried to reach some deal with Lukashenko uh, in uh, December uh, in order to, for example, to make an exchange of the release of the political prisoners in Belarus for hosting the ice hockey championship this year, 2021. And actually that uh, could have been accepted by Belarusian society because uh, if uh, more than 200 people, almost 300 people could uh, go out of the prisons, that mm -hmm. uh, could be a price to pay to have uh, such an event as uh, ice hockey championship in Belarus. And also if there, there was some sort of guarantee in order not to have new comers to prisons. Yeah? Mm. But unfortunately, René Fazel uh, uh, hadn't succeed uh, with uh, such, I would say, dealing or bargaining with uh, Lukashenko. And uh, the, the only one option uh, has been left for had been left for for Belarusian uh, Sports Solidarity Foundation for Belarusian opposition for Belarusian diasporas all over the world just uh, to have a strong position to cancel this event in Belarus because this is quite a situation this is quite a situation which I uh, tried to describe earlier. If we see no chance for some positive changes, then uh, uh, it makes no sense to give a tool for propaganda to the regime. So uh, the campaign was quite successful and it's uh, not the success of the, I would say, uh, Belarusian Sports Solidarity Foundation alone. No, it's, it was... Uh, 
huge and uh, joint uh, job uh, of our institutions of prominent sportsmen in Belarus, of Belarusian diasporas all over the world. And also we are quite thankful for the politicians, uh, Belarusian, who supported uh, our position. Uh, I'm speaking here about Paul Latushka and Svetlana Tikhanovska and uh, others who joined this campaign of cancellation uh, of this event in Belarus. And we are quite thankful for the sponsors of International Ice Hockey Federation that uh, some of them, not everybody, but uh, free it was enough to show that uh, their uh, advertisement policy, their marketing policy, their business policy is consistent with the uh, non-violation of human rights. So this was a big campaign in several months uh, of uh, joint uh, uh efforts uh, in order to get uh, this uh, uh, toy out of the hands of the Lukashenko. And so why is ice hockey in particular so important to Lukashenko? I mean, we I remember the images of um, him meeting René Fassel, who is the president of the International Ice Hockey Federation, and they seem to be very close friends and they joked together and they laughed together. And it seemed as if he has a very, you know, there's these close associates of Lukashenko who are on the, you know, who, who help run the Ice Hockey Federation in Belarus. And so what is, is there a symbolic reason why ice hockey is so important to Lukashenko? Uh, uh, Lukashenko is, is a fan of the ice hockey. He's uh, playing ice hockey main, uh, uh, I would say, and... Uh, main deals in Belarus uh, being uh, reached uh, within the ice hockey ring. Uh, so he's a fan of um, this kind of sport. And I guess uh, uh, at this moment, it's uh, one of uh, two or three uh, sports uh, where we have uh, good you know, of team sports where we have some chances to get a result uh, which is higher than average. Uh, the rest are the women in basketball, and Lukashenko is not a fan of the basketball. Mm -hmm. or we have now some progress in handball, but Lukashenko is also not a fan of the handball, uh, ice hockey, uh, I guess it's uh, second after football, very popular kind of sport in the world. So uh, these are two factors. First is uh, uh, that Lukashenko uh, likes ice hockey himself. He is keen on this sport. And the second that it's very popular. And uh, uh, if Belarus... Uh, succeeds on the international arena it's also very i would say uh, good for uh, lukashenko's personal mood and on the other hand for the uh, belarusian propaganda itself to promote mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy to promote such a success so such a success i suppose this is a similar question to you know why is 
you know, Vic, you know, why is Lukashenko's son on the IOC committee? But can you explain a little bit, you know, why Dmitry Baskal, this man who's been accused of murdering a peaceful protester, what on earth does he have to do with ice hockey? Why is he, why is this thug involved in, in, in a sport, in ice hockey? What, what, what is the link between, can you explain the case and explain what the link is between, you know, beating up a peaceful protester and, and playing ice hockey? Uh, actually, it's uh, quite difficult to find a direct linkage between these two facts. But first of all, uh, Dmitry Baskov used to be a coach of, uh, uh, of the son of the Lukashenko, Nikola. And uh, after becoming a coach of uh, Nikolai, the career of uh, Dmitry Baskov uh, was quite fantastic and uh, I would say immediate uh, and prominent and uh, whatever uh, I would say uh, any exaggeration you can uh, find this would be about uh, his uh, ice hockey coach or ice hockey function uh, career about Dmitry Baskov. So he became from the ice hockey coach uh, of uh, son of Lukashenko, he became the head of the federation. He is a chief of uh, best Belarusian uh, ice hockey club, uh, Dynamo Minsk. And uh, I guess uh, getting these posts um, uh, was uh, connected was linked also was in parallel with uh, getting more influence in some business activities uh, so Dmitry Baskov has became a very I would say close uh, and trusted uh, person with uh, uh, Lukashenko and in order to be thankful uh, they created some sort of uh, group of the uh, people who are close to Lukashenko who decided that it was a good idea to fight with the signs of the protest, for, to fight the protesters themselves. And uh, unfortunately, um, they uh, been uh, actually there was accidental killing of Roman Bandarenka within this uh, idea to find the signs of protest, to find the white, red, white uh, stripes uh, or some graffitis or all the Minsk. Uh, unfortunately, they killed a young man who was just a painter. So mm-hmm. it's not a direct linkage. It's uh, ice hockey business, uh, I would say, some uh, extreme uh, uh, intention to show up their loyalty to Lukashenko brought to this uh, death of the, which uh, has been uh, investigated by uh, 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 by the uh, civil society, by the uh, media, but not by the official state investigators, unfortunately. Everybody knows in our country who has linkage to the, direct linkage to the uh, Roman Bandarenko's killing. 
And uh, everybody knows that Dmitry Basko was on the side. There is enough, uh, there are enough proof for that fact. But it's uh, not being investigated by the state authorities because uh, Lukashenko cares about Baskov. He doesn't care about Roman Bandarenko. Right. I mean, I suppose it goes to show just how closely linked and how, how, how dependent you know, the sporting authorities are on personal loyalty to Lukashenko. I mean, no one, he knows everyone and he has absolute control over who gets to run these organizations. There's no kind of independence at all. And you can really see how, how important sport is to the Lukashenko regime as a means of propaganda. And I actually want to zoom out a little bit because Belarus is not the only country in the world that has an authoritarian leader that likes to use sports um, in order to, as, as a means of propaganda, as a means of gaining international legitimacy. Um, and one, another event that was actually recently canceled in Belarus, the, uh, the UIPM pentathlon championships, um, where it was actually, and they, they gave an, they, they said that they canceled the event because of regional instability. Uh, they've moved, they've actually moved the event to Egypt, to Cairo, uh, which in terms of human rights is not, not any better than Belarus. There's also, uh, there's also hundreds and hundreds of di- dissidents in prisons where they where they regularly are tortured uh, and, and frequently die as well. And so what? And so you know, but 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 nevertheless, you know, the organization didn't seem, you know, the UIPM didn't see a problem with moving the event from Belarus to another authoritarian country. And so many of these international sporting organizations don't like when they're pressured in one country. That doesn't make them think about, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. They just try and go to another country where perhaps there's less pressure. Uh, so I actually want to ask you as you know, someone who's been deeply involved in successful campaigns to prevent international organizations from legitimizing dictators, what do you think the best way um, is for human rights defenders and activists all over the world to, you know, to, to pressure sporting organizations and to, and to encourage them and to convince them that solidarity with, with you know, repressed athletes and human rights defenders is worth it? Actually, the answer to this question will be quite simple. It's solidarity and uh, joint efforts, joining efforts of, uh, as I've said, prominent athletes, uh, uh, influences uh, within and out the country. Also, it's about uh, using the potential of diaspora and uh, uh, human uh, rights uh, protection movements uh, or and uh, organizations all over the world. If uh, everything is, I would say, in one pack and is uh, uh, acting de- uh, according to the joint strategy, there is a chance to success. Because, for example, in 2014, there was also campaign for cancelling um, uh, ice hockey championships in uh, Belarus, but uh, it didn't succeed mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, the fact that uh, uh, not everybody was uh, sure that uh, or convinced, or I would say, uh, uh, not everybody was united in these uh, efforts to not to let. Uh, to the dictatorship to use uh, their sport event as a tool of propaganda. But on the other hand, in 2014, there have been, I would say, some sort of progress in 
uh, human rights in Belarus after World Championship because uh, uh, even our Belarusian police and the other authorities they uh, saw that they uh, could uh, act as any European is as in normal European country and nothing bad happens on the streets. Uh, but unfortunately, this process of liberalization was uh, not consistent and uh, it led us to 2020, actually, where everybody uh, saw that uh, it's uh, only about cruelty and dictatorship in our country. So our advice, if uh, you want to... Uh, uh, I would say prevent this usage of major events as a tool for propaganda in dictatorship uh, countries. Uh, you should uh, have a plan which uh, joins in, uh, both uh, efforts nationally and internationally. Mm -hmm. And so we're sort of reaching the end of the, the time that we have, and I want to ask one final question, which is, you know, how can ordinary people who live you know, all over the world, but who support, you know, Belarusian athletes and, and who want them to be able to, ex you know, express themselves and, and, and compete and, and, but defend, you know, freedom and democracy. What can, what can people do to sort of support Belarusian athletes? What is the best way for, for people in the United States or people in, in Western, you know, in, in France or in, in England, what can they do to kind of help Belarusian athletes, you know, achieve success without supporting the Lukashenko regime? Uh, I guess there are two things where, two tools actually where we can uh, see this support. First is uh, media to keep Belarus and Belarusian sport and Belarusian athletes and Belarus as a whole uh, as a topic in media, the violation of human rights. Uh, arrests, uh, you know that more than 30,000 people has passed prisons during last half a year. It's mm -hmm. uh, unprecedented uh, thing uh, in uh, post-Second World War Europe. Uh, the second issue is to, the second tool is to uh, support uh, Belarusian sports solidarity financially because uh, we have very transparent uh, uh, finance, uh, financial uh, model in order to bring uh, the money to the sportsmen who really do need uh, this money to keep uh, their training uh, in order to compete as a Belarusian athlete at uh, any uh, major sport event. So I guess there are two simple tools, media and uh, uh, also financial support uh, for those who are uh, deprived of um, some state financing in order to prepare to the competition because our system is uh, quite uh, different than in i would say normal western countries where uh, main uh, in source of income is sponsorship contracts for the efforts 
our system is more like uh, state oriented the, the the major income is a state budget so few of uh, i would say uh, our fls have uh, sponsorship uh, contracts which uh, uh, are source of uh, their income that's why belarusian sports solidarity foundation seeking for any uh, kind of support to transfer this money to these athletes to ensure for uh, some of them relocation even because uh, we have cases then of really of uh, repressions against our efforts and they have to move out of the country because they have uh, sentences for mm. participation uh, in protest movement it's absurd in uh, Europe of uh, 21st century to go to prison if you are against something. Uh, mm. uh, and uh, everybody is keep on saying that everything is being done with the accordance, uh, according to the Belarusian law. But uh, this uh, year, last year, we see that law is uh, dead in our country. It's only about punishment for those who are uh, who do not agree with uh, Lukashenko. Well, uh, thank you very much, Anatol. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, and we've learned a lot about how, you know, the Lukashenko regime has used athletics to support its regime, you know, its power and how closely connected uh, various athletic organizations are with the Lukashenko regime. Um, but we've also learned about how international organizations can be pressured by a civil society that is united in order to cancel important athletic events and deny dictatorships the ability to sort of legitimize their regime through sporting success. And so we've talked about the Olympics and we've talked about uh, the ice hockey championships and we've talked about uh, the pentathlon championships. Um, and so I want to thank you very much once again, Anatol, for, for joining us um, on, on our podcast. Uh, we wish the Belarusian democracy movement, all the best. And we, we hope that the Belarus Solidarity, Sports Solidarity Foundation continues to do its good work supporting uh, Belarusian athletes, you know, who are maybe competing at the Olympics this year, hopefully, um, who we can cheer on, you know, even, you know, even if they, even if the, the, even if the Lukashenko regime is still in power. So thank you very much. Um, it's a wonderful conversation and I hope to, to see you again sometime in the future. Thank you. See you.